sacrifice and commitment to the cause of Christ. And also want to say thank you for loaning us your pastor over the years that's been able to invest in the lives of young people there at Heartland, of course, being on the board of directors and preaching for us and being involved in the church planning conference and then the activities that we have there as far as a school. What a great blessing it's been to let you uh, allow him to be on loan to us to invest in the lives of young people. We just finished celebrating our 20th anniversary there in Oklahoma City, and I'm sure he's invested in many, many lives. I think about all the lives, Pastor, that you've touched. This church, the churches that have been planted, the things that God's allowed to take place through his servants that labor and work and commit and pray and give. And even as we heard the testimony of Carolyn, um, reduced tuition because of the fact of people supporting the college continually. What a great blessing to see what God is doing in the lives of not only folks here in New York City and this surrounding area for the church planners in this area and all you men, of course, that are representing for the MRI here. What a great blessing it is to know that there are servants of God on the East Coast that are proclaiming the truth. We thank the Lord for your faithfulness over the years and all that's taking place in your life and ministry. And we do covet your prayers there at Heartland that God would continue to bless, keep us strong for the cause of Christ. Be faithful to the work of the Lord. Uh, thank you, church, for the many kinds you've bestowed upon us while we've been here. Uh, the great food, the fellowship, the lodging, all that's taken place. It's been a great joy to our heart, your great provision. Good services last night. and was able to see Union Baptist as well. And hope they didn't call the police on us. We were over there kind of late. Uh, but we're thankful to the Lord for what God is doing here. And thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to stand in your stead tonight. The church, proclaim the word of God. If you have your Bible, a familiar passage the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua, chapter number 24, if you would, please. If you've been in church any length of time, you're probably very familiar with this passage of Scripture. And so we're going to go to Joshua, chapter 24. And uh, I know you've been seated for a while there, and I like to honor God's Word. And so if you would stand in honor of His Word tonight, that may be your custom anyway, I don't know. Uh, but I'd like to read a few verses of Scripture here. I want to start in verse number 1. And read through verse number 25. So if you would follow along as I read aloud tonight from the Word of God. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, 
that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And ye went over Jordan, and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and the olive yards which you planted, not do you eat. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, and he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that he hath done you good. And the people said to Joshua, Nay. But we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself, that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute, and an ordinance in Shechem. What a wonderful narrative we have here of the summation of the life of Joshua and the beginning of God's great plan and declaration for when they get into the land of Canaan and dwell there, that they'd continue to serve the Lord and not forget God. You know, America started on a great foundation. We celebrated it yesterday. A Christian nation, but it seems like we have forgotten the Lord. Oh, notwithstanding we that believe in God tonight, we that are saved tonight, we understand that. But I desire in America just the same thing that Joshua desired in the presence of the nation of Israel. I'd like to preach for a few moments tonight on this subject. Walk His way. Walk His way. May God bless reading this word. You may be seated. As I said earlier, if you've been in church any length of time, then you know and understand that the book of Joshua reveals what God is doing in the life of the servant Joshua and the nation of Israel, making preparation for Joshua to go off the scene 
And then, of course, the people of God would be able to follow the Lord without a particular leader. They could have their own homes and desire to serve God in their own homes. But we find that there's a situation now in chapter 22, 23, and 24 that they have already fought for about five or six years now. And the blessings have come by the mighty hand of God, notwithstanding Ai and the problem they had there with hidden sin. We know that God eventually brought deliverance to them. And they committed themselves to God like they were supposed to. When Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 27 and chapter 28, he related to them, When you get into the land, you go to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal at the foot of Shechem there with the priest in the middle and the Ark of the Covenant. And you're involved in dedicating your life and service to God in the land of Canaan. And so after that battle at Ai and their defeat, they had victory at Ai shortly thereafter. And God allowed them within the first couple weeks to take a 30-mile journey and to head north to Mount Ebal there at Shechem. Now, Shechem is an important place recorded right here in chapter 24, verse 1. In the latter part of this chapter as well, Shechem is where Genesis chapter 12 says that Abraham received the promise, the covenant of God. We find also that during this time period that we're reflecting on tonight, that it says you're to go to Shechem there. And as you're at Shechem, you're supposed to remember that God promised you a hand of deliverance and power and protection in the land. We also notice that at that time period, that, jo- that J- Jacob himself, and later on other servants of God, but Jacob, when he went at that time, uh, when he was trying to leave the area of Laban and go back to Bethel, that it said they took their pagan gods and they buried them in Shechem under the oak. So you know and understand that Shechem was an important place in the life of the nation of Israel. Here we have Joshua now gathered once again in this place where they've already set that great big monument up and had, writ- had read the law to everyone. And everybody said, we will serve the Lord. But when there's no leader, what are you going to do? So Joshua in his closing days, he goes before them and he says, I want you to know, choose you this day whom ye will serve. But he says, but as for me, started with him, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'd like to draw our attention tonight to this portion of scripture and go back to the narrative and pull out some thoughts here. And I want you to notice, first of all, tonight, verses one through ten, where they talk about an appeal. An appeal was given for reflective consideration, reflective consideration, going back to think about the history that is being revealed here. Look at verse one again. And we find here in this passage of Scripture that he's showing them where he came from. He gathered all the tribes to Shechem, and he called for the elders and for their judges, and they presented themselves before God. It's always good when God's people listen to God's man, and they're gathering together to get something from the Lord. Verse number 2, Joshua said to the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. It's always good when the man of God gathers to speak to them, and he's saying what God says. By the way, you preachers that are here, thank God for your faithfulness in preaching. Thank God that you believe the book and you preach the book. Make sure you keep doing it. We need you. God needs you. Your cities need you. It says, thus saith the Lord, your fathers dwelt. And he rehearses the history, how they have come into the land. God sent Abram where he sent him. God made a promise to him, gave him Isaac, continued on the seed. And it gives us a narrative here of all that's going on. Verse 4 said, I gave you Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I gave Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt. And he's rehearsing the ten plagues, what has transpired there. So he's reflecting that they're to consider 
the faithful presence of God among them. He wants them to consider the faithful presence of God among them at this time. He said, I brought your fathers out of Egypt. You came into the sea. The Egyptians pursued with their fathers and their chariots and their horsemen. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness. He did the work. What we find here, it says in verse 4, I gave. In verse 3, it says, I took. And in verse number 5, I sent. I brought. I brought. Sounds to me like God's doing the work here. Would you agree with me? That God, there to reflect upon the consideration that God's presence was evident. He said, consider the presence of God. He emphasizes these truths. But he also goes on to say, there was an appeal to consider God's power. I know it's simple, but I want you to see it. Verse 7, when they cried, he put darkness there and he brought the sea upon them. That's pretty powerful. Now, we understand hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that. But during this time, they're crossing the Red Sea, according to Exodus. And then the Bible said that it congealed. The walls stood up and didn't move. And they went across on dry land. And when they got to the other side, the chariots were moving after them and the horsemen. And God drowned them all right there in the Red Sea. That's the power of God. He works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. The great power of God is seen and sensed. So we find the consideration is you want to consider the power of God. He said, he fought with you and he helped you. He said, I gave them into your hand. Would you agree with me tonight that this history reflects the consideration of God's presence and power among the people of Israel? Would you agree with that? The same God that helped them in the past, Joshua is now saying will help you in the future. He'll be a very present help in time of need. So with that in mind, we see that there's an appeal for something else. A resolved choice to be made in the life of the servants of God. You see, many people do not like strong Bible messages because they confront human will and they force us to make a choice. We don't always like doing what we're told. Sometimes we have trouble with authority. Sometimes that authority is not just God himself, but pastors of churches, husbands in homes, teachers in schools. Those authorities that God's ordained for us to learn from his truth. So we find that they're gathering together now. And as they're gathering together, they're to learn and glean from God's word. Look at verse number 11. He said, you went over Jordan and came to Jericho. So he's not just talking about exploits that took place way back that they weren't even there, that they just heard about. He's now talking about Joshua and those that were under the age of 20 that did not die in the wilderness Now they are older, Pastor Mike, and they understand and know that they had seen as children the mighty hand of God's work. And they said, we are eyewitnesses. Joshua was there. We saw the power of God. We saw what took place. And now they know in Joshua's time, the presence of God is still there. The power of God is still evident. Verse number 11 goes on to say, the men of Jericho fought against you. They remembered that. The walls came tumbling down. He said, the Amorites... The, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. So what we see here tonight, beloved, is that God has not forgotten his children. He's rehearsing with them the presence and power of God that was evident among all the things that took place in the life of the nation of Israel. He's reflecting on this. Everybody in this room has a past. But aren't you glad God can forgive us of sin? Everybody in this room has something that they reflect upon and say, God can't use me because of my past. But God wiped our slate clean at the cross of Calvary. What a blessing that is. 
But he relates back here at this time that during the life of Joshua, he's reflecting on the fact that God brought them to a place of victory and deliverance and power in their lives. So it shows to me that they understand that God is doing something. Now, if you understand the whole book of Joshua, what you're going to find is that after Ai, they're going to fight in what they call northern campaigns and southern campaigns. They're going to fight for well over five years. And as they're fighting, God gives them victory everywhere they go. You read it. You find out sometime he gives them victory everywhere they go. They're obeying God. They're living right. They're following the man of God. They're obeying the voice of God. And even God himself uses strange means and ways. He sent the hornet. God can use whatever he wants to get the attention of people. He knows exactly how to take out the enemy. And it said he wiped them all out. Even the strong enemy, he wiped them out. And so guess what happened? By the time you get to chapter 10 and chapter 11, Brother Chuck, all the nations in the north are going to gather against them. They thought, well, you know, uh, they beat us over there, but if we get everybody working together, uh, we can take them out. And they tried that, and they still lost because the powerful God brought deliverance. So it wasn't just something from the past that they'd heard about. It's something from the present that they knew exactly because what God has revealed to them is his power and presence among them. So he's reflecting upon these things to relate the idea. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not do you eat. What he's saying is that look at all the provision I've given you. Look at everything I've blessed you with. You didn't even build the houses and I gave them to you. You didn't even build the olive yards and I gave you provision. I provided for you. What he's saying is that you didn't get this place on your own. I'm the one that brought you in. I'm the one that's delivered you. Verse 14. Now, therefore, because of all this reflection, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He says in verse 15, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, it almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? How can anybody that says they're the people of God not want to serve the Lord? If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what he's saying is that we need to understand that there is a choice that needs to be made, a resolved choice, a committed choice, and it needs to be, number one, an individual choice. You and I, just like they did, need to make a choice daily what God we're going to serve. The God of self, the world, society we live in, or are we going to serve the Savior? We're going to be willing to follow Him and serve Him. They made an individual choice. As for me and my house, we will. Now, it won't be long, friends. He's going to go off the scene. Joshua will die. But there will be a few elders that will outlive him. So probably 25 to 40 years covers the whole book of Joshua. But after they're gone, even here in the end of this chapter, we read, they made a promise, Brother Davis. The promise is, we will serve God. We'll always be able to follow Him. We'll do exactly what He says. We will trust the Lord. We'll be obedient to His voice. So they had to make an individual choice of what they were going to do. I wish I could make choices for people. I'm a former pastor of 20-some years, and there were people that made choices that were bad. And I wish I could make some of their choices and help them in their life. And sometimes I tried to help them, and they neglected it. They turned away from it. 
But he says right there, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, how can it seem evil to serve the Lord that had done all those wonderful things? I mean, he's rehearsed it right in front of him. All they have to do is reflect upon it. And now he says you need to understand the importance of making sure that you're going to do what is right. You need to make a choice, a resolved choice to do what is right. And then it says, choose you this day. So it's not a choice to be made next week or next year. You've been better pastors. You've had people say, you know, we're praying about joining the church. We're praying about serving God. We're praying about getting involved. Well, I'm aiming to start tithing. Well, quit aiming and pull the trigger. I mean, just jump in. Be faithful. You say, well, you know, these people say, well, I I know I ought to be involved in serving God. And hey, church, listen, aren't you glad that people don't just say, I think I will. They actually jump in. We need to be committed to the work of the Lord. And so it's it's an individual choice, but it's an instant choice. It's not tomorrow we'll serve it. Tomorrow we'll do it. I I get a kick out of reading the Bible from time to time. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but, you know, how how could they go one more night with the frogs? I mean, all the plagues that are going on, they said, we'll take one more night with the frogs. I'm thinking, you're crazy. The children of Israel being disobedient to God, wandering in the wilderness. Hey, the same Caleb and Joshua that did right in the sight of God suffered with those that were wandering. They were doing right, but they were suffering with the rest of them. Took a long journey. Can you imagine? Mom, have we seen this place before? I know that's not in the Bible, but they circled where they'd gone. People were dying. Can you imagine how many people were dying in that area in a 40-year time period? Two million people dying and going off the scene? That's a lot of funerals every day. And then you have the murmuring and the complaining, and we remember the leeks and the garlic and the onion, and we want this and we want that. And these are people of God. Now, I know that in a church like this, there'd never be a complain or murmur. But we understand the people of God had issues back in those days. They had some problems. So he said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. If you need to be saved by the grace of God, don't take a chance on next week. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. If you're going to serve God, choose now, this day, to serve the Lord. Every day of your life that God gives you breath, that gives me breath, let's choose to live and serve and honor God. We need to make a choice that's an individual choice and an instant choice of serving God, being faithful to Him. James 4, 17, James says, For him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's try to honor the Lord. And then it says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. It's got to be a choice that's intended on that which is right. Intended on that which is purpose. Whom will you serve? I made a choice. I'm going to get saved by the grace of God. And he saved me when I was 17. I listened to the voice of God and God called me to preach. No doubt about it, he called me to preach. I had no idea that he was going to put me in a college somewhere, teaching somewhere. I didn't ask for that. But that's where I'm at. But I still know God's called me to preach. And from time to time, I get a chance to come to churches like this and open the Word of God and proclaim to you, Thus saith the Lord. The same God that blessed the nation of Israel, that brought them to a land that they didn't build the houses, that God gave them the olive yards, God gave them all the presentation, God delivered them from all the enemies, is the God that says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we have this resolved choice. The resolved choice of saying, I'm going to obey the voice of God. But then also notice, there was an appeal for a renewed commitment. An appeal for a renewed commitment. Look if you would please in verse 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
Sounds to me like they're responding. They didn't want to forsake God. I know a lot of people that don't want to forsake God, but they do. Let's make sure that we as servants of God look in the mirror of God's Word and reflect who He is. Make sure we're honoring the Lord of glory. Verse 17, For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And they, they begin to rehearse in their own mind. We know. We know it was God. We know God did all these things for us. We know that God has helped us along the way. We know that God has brought us to this place. Look at verse 23. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your ear unto the Lord God of Israel. So what we find is that there must be a forsaking of that which is wicked and evil, the pagan gods. Put them away. Listen, even among God's people, there can be wickedness and sin and idolatry. He said, God knows your heart. Put away. There's got to be a forsaking. We call it repentance. Got to be a forsaking of that sin. We got to get rid of the things that are hindering us from serving God and honoring our Lord. And you know what they are. It says, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. If if we're serious about serving God, we should have no problem forsaking idols and forsaking sin. They said the same thing. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Acts 26, 20, Luke said, Repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. So there was a forsaking. But in this forsaking, we also notice something else. Look, if you would, please, back there in verse 23, the latter half. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. So you forsake the sin, you get rid of the idols, you make the choice, you get rid of the idols, and then you yield to God. Is that what you've done? You repent of your sin, now you're yielding to God. Very simply, he says, and you turn your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Choose you this day, God or their gods? Amorite gods or the true God? Choose you this day whom you will serve. There's got to be a yielding to Almighty God. There's got to be a humility and a leaning and inclining toward the things of God. Very simply following Him. But then also, there's one other thing. Verse 24, the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. They've responded by saying, we will obey the voice of God. We will do exactly what God wants us to do. But then he says, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. The same place they had previously made a commitment with the things being built between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and they read about the blessings and the cursings right out of Deuteronomy 27 and 28, and they wrote the law of God right in front of them, just like you have a, on Liberty Island over here, you have the Statue of Liberty with words at the bottom of it. You have monuments and places all across New York City. You understand that we find right here that they have a place set aside in the sight of God as a monument to remind them this is where God brought you. He made a promise to help you and to keep you. He said, follow after that. You say, well, why is he doing that? He also made monuments there in the, in the, in the Jordan River, the 12 stones. Got to the other side at Gilgal. They reaffirmed the covenant, built a monument there. And said every time they went by that monument, it was a reminder. It was a reminder of God bringing them over the Jordan. How can you forget a miracle like that? How can you forget some of the things that God has done? So in closing tonight, we need to understand that this covenant was a sacred pact that they, was, they were using to understand their commitment to God. It wasn't just lip service. They wanted to give their life over to God. It's a simple opportunity, but yet it's a daily opportunity. Joshua said, I'm leaving. 
I know I'm going to go the way of the earth. I'm going to die. And he challenges them to have a reflective consideration of God's presence and God's power. He asks them to make a resolved choice that's instant, intended, and immediate and individual. If you think about that, you understand this renewed commitment leads them to a walk of his way. Walking his way is according to thus saith the Lord. Psalm 15, 4, a righteous man, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not, shall find cursings. He said, I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot go back. I want to follow him. After the death of Joshua, the people kept their commitment. I'm glad for that. Verse 31, it said they kept their commitment. Isn't it good when the people of God make a promise and a commitment and they keep it? He said they kept their commitment. However, in the book of Judges, it tells us they failed to pass it on to the next generation. And because they didn't pass it to the next generation, every man did that was right in his own eyes. I challenge all of us tonight to remember America, as we celebrate the 242nd birthday, yesterday, a great country, greatest in all the world. That's why I'm here. If I didn't think so, I'd be in some other country. I'm thankful to be here. I thank God for the liberties that we have to proclaim the gospel just like this. I thank God for the blessings that he's bestowed upon our country. But the same country that started with a foundation that was appropriate and right needs help today. The same country that gave us the gospel years ago needs help today. May God help his children that know him, been saved by his marvelous grace, walk his way continually. I know we're talking about the nation of Israel. I know we see the God that helped them, the God that took care of them. The same God that helped them is the same God that wants to help you and I tonight. So I ask you, daily, daily, every day, thank God for what he's done for you and ask God in a reflective consideration, help me to resolve this day to make a choice and to do my best to bring honor and glory to you every day of my life and help me make a change in my life and in my family and to propagate the gospel to the next generation so that they'll be able to see and know that it wasn't just something that was said. They can see the mighty hand of God work. I don't want my grandkids to be destroyed by paganism. I want to do my part to be a godly example. And I challenge you to be the same. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, what about you? What about your house? Let's make a choice. You say, I've already done that every day. Keep doing it. Keep following him. Keep serving him. We'll be glad we did when we stand in his presence. Thank you for listening. Let's bow for prayer. Father.